The Give Back Model is a podcast where I'll be having conversations with entrepreneurs who have successfully built charitable giving into the heart of their business models. It's important to note that every entrepreneur will have their own model and they're on their own unique journeys of giving back. I'm Christine Petrella, and throughout this podcast, I'll talk with entrepreneurs who have figured out the right way to team up with charitable organizations and some entrepreneurs who have that heart and are ready to give back and they're at the start of their journey. I'll also sprinkle in some quick talk with business owners whose give back comes in ways of hosting special events, employee-driven volunteer work, or special business incentives with a large charitable donation at the end. Today on the podcast, I have a fabulous guest. Her name is Tara Morris, and she is the owner of Perfectly Frank in Norfolk, Virginia, right in the heart of the Old Dominion University campus. Perfectly Frank is a one-size-fits-all restaurant making not only delicious hot dogs, but also mouth-watering menu of grilled chicken, homemade chili, melts, burgers, and even milkshakes. But the food isn't the only thing attracting customers far and wide. Tara's huge heart and everything she has overcome to be where she is today is the focus of this beautiful story. Today, to share her story and how utter devastation caused her second nature to kick in and to give back to her community in such an incredible way is Tara Morris. Tara, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. So you just got back from a vacation. How'd that go? It was great. We uh, went to Lake Lore and, you know, just bummed around the lake with some friends. It was awesome. Nice break from reality. Oh, gosh. I hear you. I just got back from Florida. So (laughs) it's a very much needed break from everything that's going on. Yes, ma'am. So I am super, super excited to chat with you today. There's a lot I want to learn about you and your entrepreneurial spirit and how you got started. So you are the owner of Perfectly Frank in Norfolk, Virginia, right near the Old Dominion University campus. How did that all come about? When did you decide, I'm going to start a hot dog joint? I'm not sure that there was a single moment. I mean, I don't know if it's what I knew I wanted to do. I started working at a local hot dog joint when I was 14. And I worked all through high school. And I went to ODU and continued working. I was dating my first husband at the time. And the owner had a second location that was for sale. And he was having me train the potential buyer. And I just didn't feel it. I was like, this guy is going to run this place into the ground. And so the owner talked me into buying it. And I was only 20. My first husband was my boyfriend at the time. And his parents helped us out with a loan. So we bought the restaurant. And I took a little break from ODU thinking, okay, we're going to get it up and you know running how we want it. And he'll run it. And I'll go get my degree. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. But It was just so busy and fun. And, you know, we loved it. And I never went back to school, which I'm not proud of, but it turned out okay for me. (laughs) Yeah, you're doing just fine. (laughs) Yeah. So we were, we were doing that for a couple of years. And um, a customer approached us and said, I want to open one of these over by ODU. There's this new street that they've built and it's going to be filled with, you know, storefronts sooner or later. And I want to get in there before. It does. And so, you know, if I put up the money, will you guys do the work and we'll be partners? And I was like, I mean, that doesn't happen, you know? So we took them up on the offer and we expanded a little bit. We started franchising and opened a couple more storefronts, but I hated it because it it took the personal element out of it. 
you know, I didn't want to bounce back and forth between all these locations. I wanted to get to know my customers. And so at the end of the day, after a bunch of drama, my husband and I split and I bought my partner out and I am all alone at ODU with a wonderful crew behind me. And I just, I love everything about it. It's personal. I mean, no, we did not open franchises all over the US, but that's not what I wanted anyway. So yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's great. So the original thought was maybe, okay, we get bigger and bigger and bigger. But once you saw that happening, it just didn't make sense with who you were. Right. I feel like it works for McDonald's or Chick-fil-A because they're carbon copied. You know, you can go to any one of those in the United States and you kind of feel like you're in the same place. But at Perfectly Frank, it's just so full of personality. And the customers are a huge part of what makes us the way we are. And when you're in a different town, they're different customers and it's a different vibe. And I just did not feel right trying to mainstream it, you know, and it just didn't feel good. I I didn't enjoy my job. So I just threw my hands in the air (laughs) and said, I'm done. Yeah, you're stopping there. Now, at that age, I mean, you said you just stopped college and you're taking all of this on. How were you navigating the business side? Who were you going to? Who were you getting advice from? Honestly, I was winging it. (laughs) I mean, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I never took a business course. Even to this day, I can tell we were busy by how much cheese we went through. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a weird way to run a business, but I feel it in my gut. I feel it in my soul. You know, I can tell, I can guess our sales within $100 every day just by the way it felt, by the products we went through. I don't have a, a formula. The gentleman, Uncle Al, the first restaurant I started at when I was 14, he became more like a father figure to me. He walked me down the aisle when I got married. I mean, he's we're super tight. He's 85 years old now and he's kind of the same way, you know? He's like, "I don't know," you know. I, <laughs> he's from Brooklyn. He's really he's funny. But I've always run my business with my heart and the way it felt and it's kind of scary because I don't I don't know a lot about the numbers and, you know, why things are the way they are in the paperwork, but I just keep moving and it works out. I'm actually reading a book right now um, from Emma Isaacs, and it's called Winging It. And it's just that. It's just trying to, we're figuring out as we go. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) You're crushing it. I mean, you're doing such an awesome job. I've been on your website and I've looked at your menu. And for anyone listening, check out their menu because your mouth is going to be watering the entire time. Talk a little bit about, it's not just the hot dogs. It's not just the Boar's Head Franks. You have a huge, delicious looking menu. So the restaurant we owned before was more of like your typical like old man hot dog joint, you know, and there was a few other things. But when we moved into the ODU area and realized that we are getting young people from all over the place, I mean, it's super diverse and it's not just a bunch of old men wanting hot dogs. So we had to kind of expand. And honestly, we don't sell that many dogs. It's more like, you know, the Mac Attack burger and chili cheese fries. And, you know, these college kids are more adventurous than just your typical hot dog all the way, you know? So we have a very small kitchen. I mean, the whole place is 1,700 square feet, including everything. And our kitchen is kind of in the dining area. So you can see everything that's going on. We don't have a lot of refrigerator space. We don't have a walk-in. 
seriously, like when we get our trucks, every fridge and freezer is stuffed to the max. And we just pray we don't run out of stuff before our next truck. We're running to Sam's Club and Costco and, you know, just trying to keep everything in, in stock. But we've taken a bunch of items and turned them into a bunch of different options. And we've gotten really creative with it. It's been fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. So you're still figuring that out, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah. The menu is always changing. You know, things get discontinued, so we have to drop them. And so we fill it in some in some way. Love it. Now, the flow of everyone who's coming to Perfectly Frank, when 2020 hit and that pandemic came at us, it was a totally different story. What was the first thought in your mind when everything's shutting down, the campus is shutting down, the restaurants are shutting down? What was your first thought? It was so scary. I was just scared. In fact, I'm choking up right now thinking about it. (laughs) At first, I was like, okay, this is going to be a rough couple of weeks. I didn't realize how big it was going to be. And so I thought, we can do anything for a couple of weeks. You know, I've got some savings. Like, we'll be fine. If I have to loan the business some money, like, we'll be all right. And then I realized, like, oh, God, this is this is not all right. You know, they're not coming back. The students left for their spring break and they never returned. And for us, I mean, our busiest season is the fall with football and basketball, but spring is huge too. You know, these kids have just come back from Christmas break and the weather's getting nice and, you know, they're, they're ready to socialize and we do fundraiser events with fraternities and sororities. And all of that came to a screeching halt. And aside from that, with the college shutting down, most of my staff couldn't come back. So we went from 16 to four. So that was intense. Like, how do we even stay open? We all have things going on outside of work, family or school or a second job or whatever. And it's like, we can't be there all day, every day. So we've shortened our hours a little bit. You know, instead of closing at nine, we closed at five and we stopped doing breakfast because it was like, okay, we can't be here, you know, at six in the morning till six at night. And we just pushed forward and I didn't have a plan. I had no plan. I just felt like I was like skating, you know, on ice. I was slipping. I had a talk with the four of us that were left and I said, we can shut down and, you know, you guys can file for unemployment. I don't want you to suffer. You have bills to pay. They all looked at me and said, hell no, we're not closing. That gets you. Yes. (laughs) No, that gets you. That gets you because it's that heart and it's that backing because you made that environment. You know, that was you who put that home together and gave everybody a spot to come and laugh and have some awesome food and just relax. So did it give you any comfort knowing that there were other businesses kind of in the same boat or was that not a thought? It did. I mean, obviously I felt like we're not alone. We're not the only restaurant around struggling, but we fall into this group where like, we don't have backing behind us, you know, like McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or Wendy's. We're not a big franchise. We pay more for our product than they do for theirs because they get perks because there's a bunch of them. And so we're kind of in this weird niche where our prices are pretty cheap. You can come and eat there for like seven to $10, but we don't get a lot of the perks that these big chains get. So yeah, I was nervous. And I felt comfort that we weren't alone, but it was like, uh, (laughs) I don't have anybody behind me holding me up. Right. And you have your family and you have your employees. Right. And this is my career. I mean, I don't have a backup plan. I didn't finish college. I didn't get a degree. 
I've poured every ounce of my being into this career that I've formed, but if it closes, I don't, I don't have a retirement plan, you know, I, so it's definitely something my husband and I tossed around. He's a firefighter. He's like, Hey, we'll be fine with this one income. You'll figure it out when this is all over. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like Frank's is kind of like one of my children. Like I created it. You don't have a baby, raise it and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. So we had that conversation and he said, then we're not letting it close. And I worked 80 hours a week. I was there all day, every day. I was cooking, doing curbside, you know, whatever it took to stay open. My kids basically, I had a kindergartner last year and he basically dropped out of school because I, I couldn't do virtual school. I was, I was at work and he was bouncing around with grandparents and it was intense. But we closed March 17th. And two weeks after that, I received a card in the mail from my ex-husband's aunt, who I still consider her my aunt. I was young when we first got together. So it was a card and it said something along the lines of, if anybody can survive this, you can. She had a check for $200 and she said, I know it's not much, but use it however. You know, give it to your girls, help pay the power bill. And I was like, God, our power bill is like $1,200. (laughs) $200 is like... So I talked to my husband. I said, I just don't know. I don't know how much this is going to help me, but the card did. You know, the card was just so touching. So I called the Salvation Army and I, I said, look, I have 200 bucks that somebody donated and I'd like to drop off some meals. Like how many guys do you have there? Because they were going through weird things too. Like they couldn't let new people in because of COVID. And she said, we have 25 guys here. And I said, okay, I'll drop off dinner tonight. You know, and we set it up and I dropped it off. And we couldn't hug or anything. It was, she was like, you know, thank you. I'll come and visit when this is all over. And I posted it on our Facebook page to thank Aunt Kathy. I didn't do it to like turn it into this. You know, that wasn't even a thought. It was just like, I want everybody to know how awesome this woman is. And so I posted it along with other things people were doing. Like, my sister bought a bunch of product to feed the Coast Guard. And because we had fridges and freezers full of food that we were going to have to throw away. So people were coming out of the woodworks. Old employees were like, they bought cases of beer from me and, you know, just everybody. So I did a post thanking everyone and it just started to like tumbleweed. I mean, people were contacting me and mailing me checks. And, and I was like, oh my God, like what is happening? And now not only am I running a hot dog joint, but I've got all this like charity work going on. And I had a notebook and I'm like, I'm not a businesswoman. Keep that in mind. Salvation Army and four kids and union mission and you know, all these people that I was reaching out to and my email. And I mean, you know how electronically challenged I am (laughs) and how much it took me to get on this podcast. It was completely out of my comfort zone. But the amount of people that we were able to touch just by, we were cooking orders of a hundred at a time and we were bringing them to the hospital for the workers there. And we ended up raising just under $15,000. We were like, $24 shy of $15,000 of just people out of the kindness of their hearts. We never asked for it. And we just kept sharing what people were doing and who was benefiting. And it just kept happening. 
Then when the pandemic started to shift and, you know, restaurants started to open, it was harder to cook a hundred meals when there were people in the restaurant and the donations started to slow down because normalcy was back. And that was fine because we were so busy trying to keep up. My employees were slowly trickling back in and every single one of them came back and we were so busy trying to orchestrate all the changes. Like doing curbside was not something we had done, but now we're doing that and waiting on tables inside and to go orders and paying over the phone and not. And it's a lot. So the donations kind of slowed down. And so then in March, I had a friend who I would consider her more of a friend than a customer. We definitely see each other more outside of those four walls than inside. But she came to me and excuse me, because I know I'm going to (laughs) cry. She came to me and she said, I watched what you and your crew did throughout all of last year and how positive you guys stayed and how uplifting P. Franks was. And she said, I want you to tip each of your employees $100. She gave me $2,000 and she said, tip each one of your staff members, a hundred, and then whatever's left over, use it to feed the community. So of course I was like, I cried like I am now. I was choked up. And I told all my employees, we have 15 and two of them gave their checks back to the fund. So we had $700 to feed the community. So of course, the first thing I did was reach out to a couple of the contacts that I had been dealing with the previous year and I said, hey, we got more meals. Like, you know, what do you need? And so they're, you know, they came and got some. And then I thought, you know, this is an, a good chunk of money. And we can't keep crushing 100 orders at a time. We just can't. So I was like, what if I just make a bulletin board and stick the meals on the board? And people can kind of come in one by one. And these people, you know, the administrators at Four Kids and Salvation Army, they can tell their clients, like, just go buy P. Franks and get a meal whenever you want it. And it will be fresher and hotter anyway, you know? So I pulled a bulletin board out of my closet. It had like my kids' artwork all over it. And I took a black Sharpie and I just made it. And I posted it on our group page so that my employees knew what was going on. I said, hey, guys, we're doing this thing. I don't know how long it's going to last. But I rang up a bunch of meals with all the money that the donor gave us. And... I don't know. I don't know if anybody's going to come in or not, but just roll with it. We'll learn it as we go. So I posted it on our Perfectly Frank Facebook page. And next thing you know, it was like News Channel 10 (laughs) and Channel 3 and 13 were all reaching out. And they did a story. And then Virginia Pilot did a story. And then USA Today caught wind of it and CNN. And it was like, what in the... So it's been wild because we did not see this coming at all. The board that you posted outside says, if you're broken hungry, we got you. One free meal per customer per day, no questions asked. Yes, ma'am. That brought the cork board inside. So talk a little bit about how that process works. This is amazing. I'm just so excited to be talking about this. So am I. Thank you. (laughs) So the cork board has, I think, 12 spaces. And like where you stick the note, or the, excuse me, the receipt underneath it on the board, I wrote like little messages, you know, just about paying it forward or being kind. And honestly, I'm blanking right now, but they're all on our Facebook page. You could 
peek at it. So the customer comes in, there's a variety. We try to keep it different. You know, there's hot dogs and burgers, but there's salads and chicken Caesar pitas and wings. And, you know, so they have a little bit of a variety to pick from and they just take the ticket off the board and they go to the register and one of our staff members takes the ticket. And the, the only questions we do ask is like, what do you like on your hot dog? Or, you know, <laughs> we have to know what they like. And they take the order just like they would from a paying customer and they put it on the line and we make it and we call out their name and tell them to have a good day. Like, honestly, we don't even know when we're cooking if they're a paying customer or not. It doesn't matter, you know, and they're treated just like anybody else. And we were a little nervous in the beginning to start, I will be honest. Because anytime you make a decision, you have to pick it apart. You have to think ahead and be like, okay, if we do this, what's it going to be like? And I was a little nervous. So I was like, gosh, what if we attract people that are going to take advantage of us? I was nervous. I was like, you know, my staff works for tips. And what if it ends up being just a bunch of people coming in for free meals and then my staff isn't making money and they can't pay their bills? What if I'm hurting them, you know? And And I talked about it with them and they were like, you know, let's just try it. Like the risk is worth the reward if it does work out. And if it doesn't work out, we had a rough month. We're going to be okay. And so we decided to move forward. So when they come in and they receive, they get the ticket, like we don't even know if they're paying or not. We thought maybe they would be embarrassed and maybe some people are, but we've also put out there like the meal doesn't have to be for you. It could be for your neighbor. You know, maybe your neighbor is sitting on his porch disabled and you just bring them a hot meal. Like the donor did something. We're doing something by making it. You're doing something by delivering it. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be for the person that picks it up. So we've put that out there hoping that it would encourage people to, but we can't give them away fast enough. Like I tallied the donations yesterday and it was 9,300. And this is on top of the 15,000 before the program even started. And I would guess that maybe we've given away like 300 meals, which is under 3,000 because it's like seven to 10. So, I mean, we're not even, it's just wild. It's wild. What's wild is that you start this business, you know, you're, you're in the industry, you're waiting tables, you take on this business, it morphs, it grows, a total catastrophe, this awful, awful, horrible thing hits and you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You don't know where you're going to get help from. And then you turn it all around and you start thinking, okay, well, I'm going to give out to the community. I'm going to do good. I'm going to give back because I can. And that's what I want to do. It's funny you say that. I've had this feeling of, I walked away from franchising. I walked away from almost a guaranteed like big deal because I didn't like the way it felt. And I've never doubted my decision, you know, because I go to work every day and I love being there. I love my crew. I love the customers. But this catastrophe, this pandemic, as many bad things as, as it has brought out, it helped me realize that I made the right decision by following my heart because right now what's happening is exactly why I wanted it to not be this big franchise thing. This is what I love about it. And the personal notes, the emails, I mean, the phone calls, the hugs that people give me when they come in, this is what I wanted. 
You are doing incredible work. <laughs> you are doing amazing things. Your staff sounds like the coolest group uh, of people. <laughs> I cannot blow the horn on that enough. And not just the current ones. I mean, I have had, you know, we've been there for 16 years. So in 16 years, you know, you can imagine all the college kids that have come through there. I have been to just so many bachelorette parties and baby showers and weddings. I'm like, I don't have enough outfits for this because they all grow <laughs> up and I'm like their second mom. It's a big, fun group of people. We get together. Well, we didn't last year because of COVID, but at our Christmas party, we invite past employees as well and they get to know each other. And it's just really cool. It's fun. Yeah, and you mentioned the fundraising that you do with fraternities and sororities. And I noticed you had a fundraising tab on your website where it's bring everyone you know in and, you know, we'll donate a percentage of those proceeds to um, charity. And that's... Yeah, I mean, they're doing the hard work. They're getting the word out there. You know, we don't spend any money on advertising. We are a word of mouth kind of place. Like if you like us, tell people because we don't beg people to come in. So... They're doing the hard work, these fraternities and sororities and clubs by getting the word out. And then they're showing up and letting us do our job. I'm like, sure, I'll give you a cut. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> Got my back all that yours. But it's so fun when they come in. I mean, it is just, we didn't get to do it this year because of COVID. It was one of the saddest parts. It's like, gosh, like we missed the vibe of all of these college kids just being happy to be here, you know? And so we're really looking forward to this fall. I mean, not only football and basketball, but fundraising. I mean, it, it fills our cup. It'll be fun. I can't wait. I have taken so many amazing pointers from you. And I really hope that everybody listening can take, you know, your experience and your drive and what you've done to push through so many different unknowns and hurdles. Terry, you are an absolute inspiration. Is there any advice you have for entrepreneurs who are listening who think, can I get through this? Will I get through this? I think that if you are a hard worker and you have good intentions and you have everyone's best interest in mind and you're fair, I think that no matter what you try to do, you'll succeed. You know, it's not always easy I've had to make some really tough decisions like firing somebody that didn't fit our mold or breaks my heart more than it breaks theirs, I promise. You know, but if you are fair and you keep the interest, it's kind of like raising a child. If you keep their best interest in mind, even though the decisions can be hard, I, I mean, you can't go wrong. You'll succeed. Incredible. Thank you so much for everyone. Please, if you are in eastern part of Virginia, the Norfolk area near Old Dominion University, please stop by and see Tara at P. Franks is what I'll refer yeah. to it going <laughs> forward. Tara, you're an inspiration. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Christine. Tara Morris, owner of Perfectly Frank in Norfolk, Virginia, right in the heart of a college campus, was faced with some devastating decisions. Even though her world had crashed due to the pandemic, she turned around and immediately saw how to do good and give back to her community. Tara's staff and family stuck with her and supported her, which is a true testament to what a fearless leader really is. The emotion is still very raw. The danger of the virus is not over, but it gives me great comfort to know that there are incredible human beings who will continue to push forward host fundraising events, provide food for someone in need with no questions asked other than which toppings you'd like. And she's truly leading her community just by opening her heart and her kitchen. 